0: Welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life.
1: Before I move into the sermon today, I wanted to share a word about um, the gathering of the Texas Annual Conference. Which is our conference as the United Methodist Church. Yesterday, the Texanial Conference approved our church and 293 other churches' um, recommendation to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. It was a moment that was filled with grace, and we acknowledge the hurt for many and also the beginning of new chapters in the lives of churches and pastors. So for me, it was a, a bittersweet kind of moment. There's nothing joyful about it. On the one hand, the sense that it was the last annual conference session in the United Methodist Church I'll be a part of. And so um, I'm mourned with friends who um, I'll miss. But I want you to know that all five of us as pastors, myself, Stacy, Clint, Jeremy, Sarah over in the, uh, the Refugio, all five of us are going to continue with this church uninterrupted. All five of us are moving our affiliation to also the Global Methodist Church. Next Sunday, December the 11th, after the 11 o'clock worship service, uh, we're going to have a gathering, and we're calling it What's Next? Because I think I have town hall PTSD. Um, But we do need to say, what's next for our church, right? Right. So we're going to have a gathering. What we're going to do is gather in here at 1215. All of us as pastors will be helping to present some material. And what it's going to be is partly a uh, state of the church, telling you where we are, giving you statistical data and information. It's partly going to be uh, the beginning of casting the vision for that process of what does the new year look like? What does this mean? And it's partly going to be addressing some of the most common questions that are asked. For example, some people say, will we still be a tax-exempt status church? And, And yes, so we're going to go through all of those, both information and inspiration as well. So you can join us next Sunday in person in the Sanctuary at 1215, or you can also watch by live stream. We're going to live stream it. We're going to record it. We're going to put it on our affiliation page so that you can go there and retrieve the information and refresh it. If you have specific questions, feel free to email me personally. My email is available on the church webpage. And in our Advent journey together, we call upon the whole church to continue to be in prayer for new seasons of ministry that God is bringing to every church within the Methodist Wesleyan tradition and witness, and that we'll make ourselves available to the healing presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that it is accidental. I believe it is a divine arrangement that the text this day talks about, what it looks like when God wrestles with those with whom he calls. It's been a wrestling process. We look for healing and looking to the future, and God blessing all those wherever they find themselves in the community of faith. I'm going to invite you to stand now in the respect of the gospel and to the whole of the scriptures. The text today is from Genesis, chapter 32. As you heard during the Advent reading, we will hear again. Uh, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives with his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Japak River. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Verses 25 through 28a talk about that wrestling process where the man touched the hip of Jacob. At the end of it says, Jacob said, the man said to Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and you have overcome. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. (coughs) May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we've gathered, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will continue to journey to Bethlehem to celebrate his arrival. May your spirit, O oh God, stand between me and your people so the words of my mouth, meditation of our hearts, would be acceptable in your sight. May this become good news for your people. And all of God's people did say, Amen. In this Roots series, we've looked at the context for what our hope is that we have in Christ. Uh, last week, we looked at this Root of Jesse, this this stump that exists that represented the people in babylonian exile when everything appeared to be over and concluded and yet There's a shoot that comes out from the house of Jesse It's a foreshadowing of the hope that looks both forward to what is coming in the person of Christ and looks back to the heritage for the shoot does not come out on its own but from the stump of Jesse in other words, God is breaking into the human history through real people with real problems and real issues so that God might bring real hope to you and to me. In this series, we hope that we will be finding ourselves wrapped in God's unfolding story of hope, ultimately expressed in the one cradle to Mary's arms. And this week... This week in your book, as you journey, and we encourage you to pick up a book for household. We've got a hundred more out there. If you don't have the $5 with you, you can put down an IOU. You're going to read about interesting characters this week. And so this sermon today points your heart in your head towards reading about Noah and Abraham and Sarah. And by the end of the week, you'll wrap up once again with Jacob at the Jacob River. I was cross, I've crossed the Jacob River a couple of times in tours to the Holy Land and then extensions to Jordan where Jacob was. It's, it's, it's the most inglorious moment as the bus slows down and you cross what is kind of like one of those small streams between Cleveland and, and Lufkin that just sort of is a, there's a little sort of barrier on the road and the bus turns and the guide stands up and says, if you look, this is the Jacob River. Where Jacob wrestled with God. He said, wow. It kind of reminds me of the story I heard from Chap Temple, who uh, was sharing yesterday at a retirement luncheon I went to, and he talked about how no one knew how to get to seminary in East Texas except... Chap, And so the funeral director said, well, chap, usually you follow the hearse. Would you mind leading the procession? If you know anything about Chapel Temple, he's not really good at paying attention over long periods of time while driving. He's a brilliant mind. He's an academic genius, but he's got a little bit distracting. So 15 or 20 minutes into the drive, he said his mind was wandering, and he said, you know, I'm thirsty and forgetting that he had a whole funeral processional behind him, he pulled off into a little convenience store and as he started to to look to find a parking spot, he looked up and he said, oh my gosh, I forgot, I'm leading the processional. And so he pulled back out of the convenience store and he said as he looked in his rearview mirror, everybody did the same thing. Hertz went in, started to go over, went by the gas pumps, went back on the road, Everybody did the same. These, these, these moments of distraction. There's such a commonality, my friends, that we have in this human journey. Today we look at a turning point that happens in the life of Jacob. Now, scholarship and good study will unpack in a, more, in a conversation, not a part of this sermon, all of the complexities of who's with Jacob. But here is what's at heart of the issue. God has told Jacob, this one who is a scoundrel, one who constantly is a grabber and a taker, who who tricked his father into getting his um, birth blessing, the blessing of the firstborn. And God says, go back and reconcile yourself. And so Jacob's come back and he's worried that his brother Esau is going to come after him. So he takes a large number of his possessions and sends them across the Jordan River. And says. So he has Take this as an offering to my, to my brother. Maybe he won't be mad at me. And then what he does is he divides his household up into two different groupings and sends them in different directions across. The idea is basically Jacob is thinking, you know, I don't know how this is going to go. But I'm trying to hedge the bet. Friends, isn't that like you and me that when we feel a call of God, we start negotiating? I'm okay, God, I'm, I'm going to make sure I hedge my bet here. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be full surrender. I need to kind of, you know, I'm going to do a little over here, a little over there. As if the call of Christ is like your 401k, that you're trying to do some kind of diversity to ensure your future returns. Friends, this is not what it means to follow God. It means to be a full surrender. And in this moment of aloneness, when nothing else is around, a man shows up. In Hebrew theology, Jewish theology, this is what we call a theophany, the man who wrestled with God. Be careful, friends, in your Christology, this is not the pre-incarnate Christ. Some people will look at Daniel and look at this passage and say, oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Gospel of John talks about he was from the very beginning, this must be Jesus. And I would just say to you, no, it's not Jesus. This is a theophany. this This is God's representative form. And it's this wrestling of who this person is. And what you see in the verses I did not read is this man who is representative of God's very presence makes himself weak to be able to stay in connected wrestling with Jacob. Even the text itself says two clues. Number one, in the text it says that it was a very touch that collapsed the hip of Jacob. Just a very touch. It's a divine kind of thing. That's not a human form or effort. And then as the sun starts to raise, uh, to rise, the man says, let go of me, the sun is about to rise. It's been wrestling in the dark, and I don't need to see your face. And this is a, an indication and clear that you don't see the face of God and live. And yet the text tells us, that Jacob says, I wrestled with God. I didn't see his face. God's wrestling with Jacob, just like he's going to wrestle with you and me. So here's the first thing I want us to think about as we journey in this week about how we wrestle with God in these moments. First, when we approach the idea of spiritual growth in the culture around us, we think it is something that we do. Right? You got the next new podcast. You got the next new book. You got the next new theme. It's something that you do. And we define, and there is a portion of spiritual growth that does happen with what you pour yourselves into in what you read, what you hear, and what you do. But there is also a defined component which our culture has forgotten, and that is this that when you are alone, when all the distractions of the world are quiet, that's when you wrestle with God. In the stillness, in the quiet. Think of all those who wrestled with God through history. Think of, think of Moses. God, I'm a stutterer. Pick somebody else. Think of Gideon. I'm, I'm the weakest in my clan. Think of Mary who said, how could this be? The same way that the father of John the Baptist said, how can this be? Of Joseph who said, how can this be? These wrestling moments that are consistent in who God calls Friends, there's a wrestling that happens in our lives, and there's something incredible that God does when we allow ourselves to lean into what God would do in these wrestling kind of moments. I've learned those wrestling moments in a very practical way to do a couple things, and I lean into the imagery of a book by Parker J. Palmer entitled, Let Your Life Speak. Not related to me. He's a brilliant mind, not an ordinary one. I'm the ordinary Palmers. He's the brilliant Palmers. But Let Your Life Speak is a short book in which Parker J. Palmer talks about your spiritual journey can be equated to seasons, just like the four seasons. And what he has done is, he has written this book because he was trying to discern what God wanted him to do in this major event in his life. And so he went to the matriarch of the Quaker community that he was a part of, and he said that basically, I'm looking for the way to open, and I need your guidance. I need you to be my mentor. And she said, oh, Parker. I, I just envisioned him sort of pat, oh, bless your heart, you know, and she said to him, Parker, everybody, prays for a way to open to know where God is leading but sometimes God's greatest guidance is the way that's closed and it set him on a journey to think about how does he need to understand his relationship with God in his spiritual journey and so he he arrives at this place saying what if life were like the seasons and he sets out summer a summer time when there's just so much activity and so much growth, but you know, in the midst of the summer, how often, especially in Houston, do you have to mow your yard, right? And so he says there are seasons of our spiritual life where a lot is happening. It's amazing how much happens, but it comes both with the blessing and the challenge of needing to trim and nurture and care. So am I in a summer season at this moment? What follows summer is the fall when everything seems to change and the leaves change. And while there may be less, what begins to happen is you recognize that change is essential part of life. Are you in a fall season where things are just changing? Where you go from mowing the yard, to you change the flowers, you have to rake up the leaves. What change are you in in your spiritual journey and how do you need to tend to that? I love his imagery of winter. He says, in winter months. Winter months is when everything appears to be dead. He's from the north, and so all the trees that are not evergreen have shed their leaves. He said, but it's in those winter months when the, when the snow covers the ground where everything appears to have no longer been alive. It is. Life is below the surface. But it is in those winter months when we pause and all the foliage has fallen that we can survey our landscape of what is around us And we can look both behind us to see where have we come from. And we can see further back than ever before. And we can see more clearly what's in front of us than ever before. Are you in a winter season where God's inviting you in this wrestling to pause and reflect and learn and record? And of course, spring. Spring when the snow begins to melt and things begin to come back to life. Which requires a different kind of attention and preparedness in tilling the soil and being sure that nutrients are present for the growth. Are you in a spring season of where God is bringing new growth and new life? Whatever season you're in, my friends, hear this great good news that God is with you in the wrestling. God wants to wrestle with you. Not to overcome, not to dominate, but to lay hold of you. So that where he's inviting you to go, you would know he's with you. It's a partnering in ministry. And whether it be stretching all the way back to those calls of persons within the Old Testament or the seashore of Galilee in Jesus' call of the disciples... God invites us into moments of transformation, and that transformation happens when we let God do in us what God wants to do through us, and Christ wants to do in us what he has done through us. We come to this meal today, and we approach in a moment this table of communion in a moment of repentance. The call of the gospel is to repent, which means to turn. Repentance really is nothing more than participating in the grace that has been given to us. So let the liturgy guide you today. You're invited into a season of repentance where you participate and remind yourselves and each other of the grace that God has poured into us. We come to this place not because of what we've accomplished, but because of who God is in us. You see, God's going to do something incredibly independent of our abilities that we can't comprehend. And all we need to do is make ourselves available to what God is doing. So friends, we come, we come to this table because we are found by God in this tangible witness and we make ourselves available to a God who wants to wrestle with us and will not let us go. Later in the scriptures, it is Jesus who makes himself weak again. And Jacob will not let go of this man who is God because he wants the blessing. And yet it's Jesus who later in the Garden of Gethsemane on the way the cross will make himself weak that we might receive the blessing that transcends life and death. That's what we celebrate this day. The one cradled and carried in Mary's arms is the one who will carry us, will wrestle with us, will lead us in comfort, and guide us into all truth. Let's pray together. We thank you, God, for your relentless love for each of us. And that as we explore how we are rooted in our faith in you, As we reflect on the ways in which your love is amazingly resilient and consistent for each of us, would you help us to hear with joy what you would say in our moments of wrestling? And in this community of faith, would you help us to hear with each other where you're leading and where you're guiding? For this we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Christ our Lord invites to this table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, friends, let us confess our sin before God and with one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We've not done your will. We've broken your law. We've rebelled against your love. We've not loved our neighbors. We've not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to a moment of silent confession and prayer. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are Glory to God. God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. And lift up the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Right give our and grace. God of our salvation, we do not deserve your love, and yet you lavish it upon us. Not being content to be apart from us, you came to us in human form, donning flesh and becoming one of us. You are not a God that is removed from our reality, but intimately present in our lives and our struggles. We lift up to you our thanks for your presence among us. We give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, the very incarnation of your love on earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we join their unending hymn and praise you. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the the highest. highest.
0: We remember how you called your servant Mary to bear your son, how you called your servant Joseph to accompany her, how you called the wise men to search and the shepherds to ponder, how you called John to proclaim and Jesus to be baptized, how you called Peter and the disciples to follow and serve. With them we gather on the night on which Jesus was betrayed, when, after having dinner with his friends, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to his, to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup, and pouring it, he said, This is the cup of salvation, shed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as long as we eat this bread and drink this cup, We proclaim the resurrection of our living Savior until he comes again. As we wait during this blessed rest known as the season of Advent, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again.
1: We give thanks to you for your gifts of grace and ask that your Holy Spirit would come to bless this bread and this cup, that we might be present with you and you with us. For all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now with the confidence of being the children of God, let us join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who who art art in heaven,
0: heaven, hallowed be thy thy
1: name. Thy Thy kingdom kingdom come, come, thy will be done. done